This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. I think we're as confident as we can be. We've taken the first step. Been a huge amount of work and consultation, discussion with clubs and players and uh, stakeholders to get us to the point where we could go back to step one of training this, uh, this week. And it's great for everybody, including the fans, to see, to see our uh, players back on the training ground. You're hopeful of next month. When is your realistic target date to begin football again? We said uh, we had a staging post in mid-June, but we have to be flexible. We're able to discuss at least next week the possibility of going to, uh, going to the contact training. And then after that, it's about how much contact training is required. And that really gives you a start date. So we, we have to be flexible. There's rewards to this challenge, but there's also risks. Is it worth the risk, what you're trying to do here? Well, I think playing football is, is what we do. We know we are the Premier League is set up to run a football competition and football clubs to play football matches. Uh, and I think at some point, provided you've got those safety aspects right, then you then can turn your mind to, to getting the industry back on track uh, and, to, uh, and, to, and to moving forward. Off the Ball kicks off now on BFM 89.9. That was the Premier League CEO, Richard Masters. He says the EPL are as confident as they can be about restarting in June. It's me, Ross. This is Off the Ball in social distance. And we're doing it very well indeed. By we, I mean Craig Marias. Hello, Craig. Hello, hello. Good to be back. Yeah, good to have you back. Gogolin is also here looking like Santa Claus. <laughs> ho, ho, ho. <laughs> yeah, yeah, nice facial hair, my brother. You, you need, yeah, it's all white, it's all white. Uh, Keish is also there. He's got a, a darker version of the facial hair. <laughs> hello, hello, Ross. How was Raya? Uh, yeah, it just went just like that. <laughs> just like any other day. Funny, that. <laughs> After a month. After a month of torture for him. You know what I mean? It's weird. What a, yeah, let's reset the whole year. Uh, tweet us at BFM Radio. Follow us on social media. It's BFM Football on Instagram and on Facebook as well. Um, yeah, so the big news is that Richard Masters, we heard, the CEO of the Premier League, so he gave this interview. He said, we're very optimistic. We've started testing. The guys have started non-contact training. They, they're looking at 12th of June as still the possible restart. Craig, is that possible in England, do you reckon? No chance. Um, I think there are a few factors here that we have to um, uh, take into consideration. Um, number one is, you know, players have just come and there's still no contact training um, as of now. Um, you know, it's, players are still after what a two, three month layoff. You know, I know they've been doing the programs at home um, and, you know, it's not quite the same as getting out there, doing your runs, doing your sprints, um, you know, getting a feel of the ball. We've um, got to take that into consideration. There's also a small uh, portion of players that have not turned up for training. Yeah. And now this is interesting because um, um, if you read into some of the science uh, that, that was given to us, that's uh, that, that was put out there and it, and it says, you know, uh, ethnic origins are, are more likely. These to, are the BAME players. Or the, yeah, yeah. yeah what, so what, you got, for, for example, you got you got high-profile players that are not coming back and refusing to come to training. You know, Angola Kante is one of them. Uh, Troy Deeney's another. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I mean, the, the, these are two at the start. You know, and and sometimes you know when you when when players look up and they say, oh well, Angola Conte, World Cup winner, Premier League winner, is not 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 coming back, and he plays for a high profile club like Chelsea. 
um, it will make uh, some of the players come to to, to wonder. And um, I, I think players, I mean, haven't really had a good say in this. Um, it's been like clubs are like, OK, you're coming back. Clubs have been dealing with the Premier League. Um, and, and, and I think, you know, in terms of player voices, it hasn't been, they haven't been given the chance to express themselves and, and, and let us see how they exactly feel about it. Now you've got two players making a stand. I don't know if this will lead to more, but uh, I think June uh, June twelfth is unrealistic. Yeah, yeah. Well, we shall see. We shall see. Uh, second round of testings happened. Gogs two more positive cases out of the nine hundred and ninety six tests that were carried out in the second run of mass testing. Um, actually, if you look at the figures, it's eight positive tests out of 1,744. Yeah. That's only 0.45% exactly. positive. Exactly. So we don't have to look at the numbers here. I mean, again, here in Malaysia, we always look at the numbers, but you have to look at the math behind the numbers. And yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a R0 of what, 0.003 or something like that, they were saying. So there's, a, there's always going to be numbers coming up as you do more and more testing and more and more players. But Back to what we were talking about of the June, what Craig was saying. I agree with him. It doesn't look feasible for us to be even talking about football right now being back because of all the, I mean, the things that Craig just said. And then you have players like uh, well, Kante and Dini being the most two high-profile ones yet. But who, who are the other players going to jump on the bandwagon? And then we also have the issue of the big contracts. Mm. Are they going to be contractually against their contract if they don't, don't, they don't play? If the club tells them to play and they don't play? Yeah. We yeah. have to come to, we're going to come to yeah. that I mean, I saw, I saw an article saying, you know, uh, I can't remember who it was from, uh, but they were saying, you know, if players refuse to play, um, don't pay them, which I think is fair. That, I mean, you know, you're giving them the option, they're choosing not to come to work. Um, and and I, I really do think that's, that's entirely fair. And I think Troy Dealing is one of them as well, who came out and said, look, I don't care. I mean, if you don't pay me, but my family's health is more important. My health is more important. Okay, well, Keish, I, I what I don't understand here is there are BAME players in the Bundesliga, in Korea, in Japan, I mean, everywhere. Um, why is it a thing in the UK, in the EPL, you reckon? I think it boils down to trust in the system, trust in the country's system, yeah. and just the existing numbers and, and the way the numbers are evolving, right? You look at the countries that have had a very positive uh, restart. You look at Bundesliga, you look at K-League. K-League especially, they, like the restart was only, uh, uh, it, it only became a reality after their numbers significantly dropped. And as it is, their numbers were never as big as some of the countries in Europe anyway. And you look at, at Germany as well, they've been able to control their numbers far better than, and, than places like UK have been able to. And I think part and parcel of it lies in the fact, it's got obviously multiple factors. And, and, and you, look at, you look at the UK and you look at the numbers that have been evolving over the last couple of months, it has not looked entirely positive. You, you still have days where the number of deaths still continue to rise, continue In to increase. In the hundreds. Yeah, and it's, it's crazy. to the, And I think the, the bigger problem here is, is the way the UK has been handling the coronavirus crisis as well, from a communication perspective, from a way, uh, from a political perspective as well. You see a lot of mixed messages. You see a lot of, uh, 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 what do you call the political crisis as well, even recent even over the weekend, uh, there, <laughs> yeah. there was a whole, whole big saga. Craig, what are if, Craig if and your favorite person? If you're a footballer and you're living in the UK, right? Yeah. Returning to action isn't just about whether the Premier League can handle the SOP. It's also about the environment that you're living in. 
And if you're living in a country where the policies and the SOPs for regular people aren't solid enough, aren't foolproof enough, then you're always going to have that extra bit of caution, that extra bit of worry about returning into action. And especially you look at the numbers, you, how do you go and play and then go back to home and expose yourself to your family and, and when, when the numbers continue to rise? So there's a lot of factors and I don't blame I I, uh, yeah. players in the UK from wanting to be extra cautious. Yeah, I think what uh, I think what Keish is saying is the trust deficit within the government. Yeah, because you're right, the community spread is vast in UK, and we cannot have players coming in and playing and then going back to their families. Okay, l- listen. How many with, players? How many players with, are without actually- without getting political here? Uh, isn't it weird that the two biggest nations in the world are handling this whole virus really, really badly? It's yeah, the freedom yeah. of speech that allows you to say no, I won't wear a mask. No, I won't stay home. It's that's dangerous. So well, I, I, mean, I kind of, I kind of, I, it's safer the sheep mentality, no. But let's not get political. So listen, Premier League is not going to come back probably until you know the the, the numbers start dropping in the UK. Well, we sorry, seem Ross. to see it over here in Malaysia, but the the, the big wigs in, in in Lancaster Gate and all that maybe see it differently. We leave that one open for now. One league has been given given the green light to restart is Spain's La Liga. Spain's Prime Minister Pedro Sanchez uh, came out and said football can restart from the 8th of June onwards. Now, Javier Tebas is the uh, La Liga president. They originally, they, they earmarked 12th of June. Now, Craig, let's come to you here. Spain were worse hit than the UK. How, how is this even happening, Craig? At one stage. At one stage, they were. Um, but uh, like what Keish touched on just now, you know, they've, they've seen a good uh, decline in their numbers, you know, um, um, over the last month Because or so. people have been listening. <laughs> oh, people have been listening. Exactly that, you know. Um, I, I, I just think everyone is looking at the Bundesliga right now. Um, as the main, um, obviously, is one of the top top leagues. But obviously, and, and, and look at what they've done, and and they've set this two week, you know, period, so to speak. You know, everyone's talking about twelfth of June, twelfth of June, um, and that's just because you know, if anyone of the players were to get infected as well, you know, it'll take about two weeks for those symptoms to to show. Um, I, I think for now, you know, everyone's looking at the Bundesliga and 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 kind of ignoring that that the. Um, um, the situation in their own home country. I mean, England, for example, you know, yeah, it, it's yeah, ridiculous yeah. that they're even contemplating getting players um, to play a competitive game when the numbers are still, um, it's decreased, but numbers are still high. I'm going to try. You know, there, there is a decline. Yeah. But, I, I mean, numbers are at a ridiculous stage right now. And I think Spain, um, likewise, uh, are looking at the situation and seeing, oh, well, numbers have fallen. Um, but the thing is, is the issue resolved? And I don't think it is. No, but this is how La Liga have made the decision to, to restart football. Uh, it, the decision was made according to the government's protocol for the de-escalation of measures to combat the virus. So they've got an R rate at 0.2 and the number of recoveries greater than the number of new cases. Yeah, that, so, that's generally the SOP for every country to go. Yeah, well, I, I don't know if, if the EPL are actually using the right Yeah, thing. well, exactly, yeah. No, if, if you use that, if you use that formula, the M League should be back next week. 
<laughs> yeah. Should have been back two weeks ago, mate. What do you yeah, mean next week? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, yeah. So La, La Liga are talking about a, a 12th of June restart, Keish, with possibly the severe derby. Now, that would be quite tasty to bring back, wouldn't it? Yeah, but I think judging by what we've seen in the first first two weeks of the Bundesliga, we've we've got the uh, the Schalke Dortmund derby, and then over the weekend we had the Berlin derby as well. Tuesday um, we have the uh, what the classic. Yeah, yeah. Don't give yeah, too much exactly. away on the German football. Yeah. We'll do that after the break. <laughs> and the thing is, I I I don't. I mean, it's these derby games are obviously they they come with a lot of history and they come with a lot of uh, of uh, value attached to them. But 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 in when it's taking place in the context that we're in at the moment, uh, I think it's difficult to sort of get a pure feel of, of the derby like, like, like we felt during the Berlin derby, for instances. Uh, either way, I think at the moment, it's just about crossing the line. It's just about getting the leagues to restart, uh, especially in places like Spain. Uh, La Liga is a massive... It's a, yeah. it's, it's a massive part of the country's economy. Right, so like mm. they, they need to they need it to be rolling again, so you can well, understand the urgency in some of these countries. But but again, like you've got to get uh, the numbers down to a reasonable level before you can look at it uh, from a real serious perspective. Yeah, yeah. What what, yeah, what I think I think if 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 countries you know manage to get their their numbers in, in double digits, you know, um, you know it's it, you know you can you can almost say you know it's different. To, to go out and, and, and resume the league. Um, but at which point do we draw that line? You know, I mean, and, and that's where the government really comes in. I mean, yes, every every country is bleeding right now. Um, yeah, and sport is a good way to unite the people again, give them something to look forward to on the weekend. I mean, there are a lot of positives about it. Um, and and like like he said, you know, it's very important to, to, to the Spanish economy, like it is, like it is for, for England as well. Yeah. Um, but... You know, at what stage do the government intervene and say, look, it's safe to say? Because like two weeks ago, they were saying, yeah, yeah it's fine, you know, where the numbers are still like sky high. <laughs> what, 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 um, we, what, so, what is so, the alternative? We don't have the alternative. The alternative is the league. We are running out of dates. Yeah, well, yeah, this well, is well, it. Well, so, that, that's when you come to the decision to null and void or, or whatever it is you decide to do. But that, there's got to... The there's got to come a point where, because it's an entertainment industry, you don't want the entertainment to die. You don't want clubs to fall. There's got to come a point where they've got to make the call themselves and go, yeah. let's What's do the cutoff it. Date? Yeah, At, even well, yeah. if there is a 20% risk or, or whatever. Do you know what I mean? Otherwise, yeah. we'll never have any sort of football. Because football in Europe is entwined. It's not. It's, it's socially entwined. It's historically... Yeah. Culturally, culturally entwined. Culturally, absolutely. Yeah. I, mean, uh, uh, I mean, we're talking about domestic leagues. We haven't even spoken about the Champions League yeah 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 that, you know, that's very... uh, Champions League which is which is involving all the nations um, we, we haven't even or Europa League we haven't even spoken about that well that, but, um, that... I, I, I just feel you know within Europe itself you know they, they all kind of have to UEFA have to make a decision and say look by the end of June you've got to kind of come up with a, a cutoff point or um, you know as to whether the league is going to be carried on um, or it's not. Uh, yeah, it's but, just as simple you, as that. Because if you, every country, you, if every country is having their own call, deadlines, right? well, that's that's what I'm saying that they have to. Yeah. Okay. Wait, well, wait. Let, let's hope so. Spain hope to restart with uh, two divisions uh, from the 12th onwards. They want to try and complete their games by the 31st of July so that they reckon they can get champions and Europa Leagues in by August. 
Let's hope it works out for the, for La Liga. We're taking a break, and when we come back, we'll actually talk about football that was played over the weekend. Stay tuned. Worth a try. And he's always prepared to give it a go. Off the ball on BFM 89.9. Hey, thanks for sticking with us. Craig Goglin and Kishnan. I was going to say in the studio, but no, safe (laughs) ensconced in their homes. Social distancing off the ball, this is. As usual, get in touch. Twitter, also follow us on Instagram and and Facebook. It's it's BFM Football. Uh, The Bundesliga Round 27. Happened at the weekend. I'm coming to you first, Kish. The Friday night game. I know you would have watched it. The Berlin Derby. Um, we previewed this on Friday, saying if ever there was a game that needed fans, it's the bloody yeah. Berlin Derby. And it was a good game, though. Hertha bossed it. It was, but you just couldn't help but feel that it, this was a game where teams like... I mean, even, even... So, when the Bundesliga was going to restart, right? You looked at teams like Union Berlin and you, and, and you just said to yourself that teams like Union Berlin that are so modest but they are so heavily dependent on their fan bases will suffer playing in an empty stadium, yeah. right? Because this is a team that usually depends on the kind of adrenaline shot that they get from their fans to drag teams across the line, especially in a fixture like this. You, you, you look at the players that they have on paper, you compare them to every other team in the Bundesliga and they're significantly inferior. Yet, you look at where they are in the standings now and it's still a relatively modest situation and that's because of the fan support that they've always had historically. And uh, so, I, going, yeah. going, going into this game, it was always going to be tricky. And, and to be fair, it wasn't surprising for me to see a team like, to, to see Hertha Berlin completely um, running right, they completely dominated the game. Um, I, I didn't think there were portions where uh, Union Berlin showed like they were going to take the game by the scruff of their neck and dominate in whatsoever. I think they were comfortable. Um, and that just that front three of spearheaded by Ibisevic. I mean, he's 35 years old, and he's just scoring goals for fun um, <laughs> for for Hertha Berlin, and and he looks really good. And I tell you what, the surprising bit for me, I had completely forgotten about this guy as well, Christoph Piatek. Yeah, take, yeah. He, came, he came on as a substitute in this game. And I was just like, where is the Piatek that we knew a couple of years Milan. ago? He was just, yeah, he was, <laughs> even before Milan, because Milan yeah. was where Everybody wanted him, right? Everybody wanted him in Europe. Everybody wanted him in Europe. He was banging in goals for fun yeah. in Syria. Where, where is that guy? Well, yeah. that, that was the Friday game. Uh, moving on to the Saturday game, Craig Wolfsburg nil, Dortmund 2. Uh, Dortmund, this is before Bayern played, of course. So they, they closed the lead down to, to a point. Um, yeah. But Dortmund, are, are, since, the, since coming back, they, they look a mean yellow machine, don't they? Yeah, uh, they do. They, they look like they've come back and it, it doesn't look like they've had a gap at all. Um, we saw the previous week, you know, in the derby, you know, how clinical, how exciting they are to watch. Um, I mean, we know the quality that uh, Borussia Dortmund have, you know, uh, with the speed. But when you look at that bench as well, you're just like, well, a few, few of those players will get into to some, some serious top teams, um, not, not only in the Bundesliga, but around Europe. You know, Jadon Sancho hasn't started either of the two games. Um, you know, you've got Gio Reyna, for example, exactly another uh, exciting 
Uh, Witzel and Chan, their first choice Witzel midfield Chan, didn't even start. Yeah, didn't even start, you know. I mean, it's 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 quite scary to see this Borussia Dortmund side and, and playing like how they did over the weekend, you know. Uh, although, you know, it, it was only a 2-0 scoreline, the way they dominated. Yeah. You know, Wolfsburg had their chances, you know, Berkey had to be um, quite alert. You know, a couple of times there was a fantastic volley that he that that he you know that there was had a lot of movement on it, which which he managed to save. But um, I, I think you know this this Tuesday or, or Wednesday Wednesday morning our time, it's going to be you know a match that I think everyone needs to wake up and watch because Absolutely. this is this is a, a title decider match. Yeah. Um, if Dortmund play like how they did, I know I know we'll come on to Bayern later, and they they were pretty impressive too, but. I do feel if, if if Dortmund keep up this level of in, intensity in their play, you know, um, I, I think they're really going to be ones to watch. I mean, Haaland didn't even get on the score sheet, for example, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah. They would be raving about him and how clinical he, he was. He didn't have a great game. Yeah, that, it doesn't I, matter. The, the dummy is an assist, right? <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, no, yeah, the, the dummy is not I, an I love, assist. I love the commentator. I mean, he must be a massive Haaland fan because yes, I know, he right? kept trying to insist that he purposely left that shot. <laughs> he, he he purposely left, and I'm thinking, and which part? part of that did exactly. that look like a dummy. He was uh, trying to score. Well, just you know, and and you know, sorry, sorry, just going on, just going on about plays on form. Rafael yeah. Guerrero, you know, the, the two games he's come back in, you know, he's looked he's looked menacing. He's looked like a better better striker than than Haaland has. How old is Rafael Guerrero? Because I thought he was like in his mid thirties, and then nah, he's, he's late twenties. I think. Nah, he's amazing. He seems to have been around forever. Twenty-seven. He only broke into the scene at the Euro twenty sixteen with Portugal. Okay, okay. You know about 27? Let, let Gogs, Gogs, just to build on, on what Craig was saying about their strength and depth of Borussia Dortmund, uh, their, their sporting director, Michael Zorp, has come out and said, Mario Goetze is going to leave us at the end yeah. of the season. Goetze was one of five unused subs for that game. It was sad to see. This guy won the World Cup for Germany. Mario yeah, Goetze made 201 appearances for the club and is still only 27 years old. I, I find that... And, yeah, and uh, Dortmund can say, listen, we don't need him. Yeah, I know. But going back to that game, Craig, they did look good, but I thought they were a bit laborious at the, uh, throughout the game. I mean, they looked... They, they, were, they were in control. Like, yeah, I mean, they didn't they look like... Control, like, like they, yeah, because, you look yeah, at what Berkey had to do. Were, were, I mean, they were, it's true, minimal. but... But I think the game only changed as much when Sancho came on and added that, that penetrating speed up front. Otherwise, they still look... I mean, they, you, you're coming up on the wings and all that, the overlapping play. And I, I, just think, I, think it, I, I just think it was more of a fact that they, they were very comfortable. They, they never looked like losing it. Um, you know, I could understand where you're coming from if there was a bit more threat from Wolfsburg. Yeah, I, I, another, um, another, another more stronger team might have hurt them more because I, yeah, I yeah. I mean, until yeah. Sancho came on. Akish, mm. what 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 English club would love to have Mario Goetze? You reckon? Oh, it's it's a tricky one. Villa. Um, <laughs> just to give, just to give I don't think he fancies playing in the championship, <laughs> mate. Hey hey. <laughs> <laughs> no, just to give a bit of context, right? Um, because of the fifty-plus one rule in German football, um, when Borussia Dortmund wanted to bring Mario Goetze back from Bayern Munich, they had to actually sit down with leading members of the Borussia Dortmund fan fan groups to get their permission before they could sign Mario Goetze back. And clearly at that point, they valued him as a player that was still capable of, of making a huge difference. But it's just, in a way, it's kind of tragic to see that 
at one point, he, you know, uh, Bayern no longer obviously consider him a, a, a big, big star player. And now Dortmund no longer consider him one as well. Um, so he's, fall, he's fallen off the packing order. And I I really think he might struggle in the yeah. Because Godzilla is a player that has always depended a lot more on his intelligence and his space as opposed to his physical strength. He's a, he's a small player, right? Yeah. Um, I, I I think in a, in a place like Premier League, uh, honestly, if I'm being absolutely honest, a great place to probably try and break into the Premier League would be a place like Everton. Uh, mm. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I've earmarked yeah. Spurs for him as well for some reason because they all like yeah, to just, go to just, London. But, but Craig, let's, talk about, let's yeah. talk about Bayern now, guys. Uh, yeah. Goretzka, Muller, Lewandowski, Alfonso Davis. How good is Alfonso mm. Davis? Okay. Um, yeah, 5-2 against Frankfurt. No problem for the reigning champions, Craig. Yeah, uh, and I thought this was going to be a, a tight game, to be honest with you. Um, well, it was thought, tight for a while when yeah, they scored the two, yeah. and then Bayern yeah. just upped it. Yeah, uh, and then you thought, okay, um, you know, uh, Frankfurt, you know, I, I watched them play the week before. Uh, yeah, the weekend before it was uh, against Mönchengladbach, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you know, I thought, yeah, okay. I thought coming into this game, you know, there might be, you know, a little bit more up for it and and really really put on a, a better display than they did the previous week. But, you know, Bayern just have that class, don't they? They, they, they really do. And, and I think now it's coming towards the business end of the season. Um, these... You know, your you Goretzkas, you know, you Muller as well. You know, he, he didn't didn't have a great start uh, to the season. 16 you, you assists know, these... this season, Muller. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, they said they were past it, you know. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, they said <laughs> it, he was past it. Boateng was past it. You know, all, all these players, you know, who, who are now, you know, producing uh, again uh, for Bayern. And, and and it's good to see how, how you know, Bayern have kind of uh, come together again and show, you know, how superior they are because... Uh, we all we all know how it was uh, before Hansi Flick was in charge. <laughs> you know, it was it, it wasn't a happy atmosphere there. Um, you know, performances weren't what they uh, of the required standard, rather. But you know, when it comes to this, like I said, you know, it's the business end of the season. Um, buy and no, you know, it, it's theirs to lose. You know, the, the gap isn't as 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 big as they they usually like. Yeah. Um, but you know, Dortmund are going to push them all the way. Like, trust me on that. Um, and that's why Wednesday morning is so crucial. And, and Bayern really need to turn up because yeah. although Gog says it, it was a laboured win, you know, I saw a lot in that performance um, over, over the last two performances from Dortmund to suggest that, you know, they've got every chance of, of, of getting a result there. All right. All right. We're going we're gonna to come back after the break and we're going to preview the Bundesliga's biggest game of the season. Stick with us. Because whilst he's there, it's been very difficult for other clubs to get near them. He's that good. Off the ball on BFM 89.9. England's highest quality title race of all time. But coming out on top again in the Premier League, Manchester City. Off the ball on BFM 89.9. And we are back. Craig, Keish and Goggs uh, in isolation. Are off the ball in isolation. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Uh, also follow us on social media. It's BFM Football on Instagram and on Facebook. We alluded to the big game before the break. Dortmund versus Bayern is happening just after midnight, Wednesday. Uh, team news, Hummels came off for Dortmund at the weekend. He has an Achilles tendon problem, but it was probably precautionary, wasn't it, Craig? Yeah, uh, came off at halftime. Um, and I think 
you know, all the Dortmund fans would have been, a, you know, a little bit wary and a little bit uh, worried um, as to as to how serious it was. Um, we were informed during as the second half went on that it was just a precautionary, um, you know, measure that they took him off uh, and. and and obviously saving him for, for the big derby, you know. Uh, I'm sure he'd love to get one over his ex-team. Yeah. Hansi Flick's side, uh, Gogs, uh, are chasing an eighth successive championship. Now, if, if you see how, like, Thomas Muller and all that have been clicking, will Dortmund be worried? Of course Dortmund will be worried. I mean, There's going to be no yellow wall, right? Yeah, yeah, it's not going to be a little wall, but you know, these are the games that uh, like Bayern players are always looking forward to. And, you know, they're all going to bring their A game or A-plus game. And same with the Dortmund side. It's going to be a great, great game to watch. And especially since the weeks and weeks of no football, suddenly we get this feast of football coming up. Yep. It's going to be a really great game to watch. Kish, I mean, neutrals will want a, a, a yellow win. Dortmund win means uh, it's a point then between second and first with, with the games remaining. That would be ideal. Yeah, that would be ideal. And they definitely have um, what it takes to pull it off as well. Uh, it's it's an, Having watched... Uh, the Bundesliga for the last two match days, I've felt that Dortmund are the side that impressed me the most. I think they've really taken to the return to action uh, very smoothly. They've, they've built the momentum really well. Um, they've scored six goals now, considered zero in both their games. And they've been completely dominant. Even in that 2-0 win over Wolfsburg, it could have been more than two goals. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think having that amount of momentum and that level of confidence... Uh, gives them a, a slight edge. Because I thought Bayern... I mean, they scored five against Frankfurt, but they still conceded two. And there were moments where they kind of looked shaky here and there. Uh, but it's a great game for neutrals. And and I just think that this could be the one where Dortmund just edge it out. Watch it. Watch it. It's a, it's a whole week holiday anyway. Wednesday, half past midnight, that one. Uh, Dortmund against Bayern. Second, entertaining. First... We're going to talk about two of the biggest players in Germany right now. Let's start with the Gladbach 1-Leverkusen 3 game. He's 20 years old. He's wearing the captain's armband. And if you, if you read gossip columns, everybody wants to sign Kai Havertz, Craig. Yeah, uh, fantastic talent. Um, you know, getting to see him up close and personal, uh, especially over the last game week. Um, you know, you can see that this kid's a player. You know, he's destined to play for one of the big teams, whether it's, you know, one of the Spanish giants, whether it's coming to the Premier League. Um, but you know that it's not going to be long before he plays for one of those clubs. What I like about him is, you know, the way that he breaks, um, you know, from midfield, makes those runs, gets in. He's not afraid to take on responsibility. You know, he's, you know, what is he, 1920? Yeah. Captain of, of his, of his uh, hometown club. You know, he, he steps up, takes penalties, you know, takes that, takes on that responsibility. He's got all the qualities that you want to see, um, you know, in, in a young kid. You know, he's not afraid, uh, afraid to, to, to showcase his stuff. Um, I, I, I think, you know, another year with, with Leverkusen, you know, especially with the position that they're in right now in the league, um, I, I do think he should resist temptation in, in the transfer window this year, uh, if there is one. Um, and, and, and stay with Leverkusen, play some European football there uh, for another year and then, and then ponder his next move. All right. Well, although they lost, uh, Gladbach had Marcus Turam who scored for them. Marcus is the son of Lillian Turam, World Cup winner. Gox, that says good genes flowing through yeah. young Marcus. With that DNA, you can't go wrong. You know, again, World Cup winner and all. But yeah, he, he put up a great performance one of the future players to see, like I was saying uh, earlier off screen. 
basically these are the players that the Guardian picked up on. You know, Kai Havertz, Marcus Thuram, players to look out for. And these these are test bits at Bundesliga where we all get to watch. My son gets to watch these players play, and you know, it's inspirational watching these boys play because if these guys are off. If not for the Premier League being on, these guys are all going to be like off the radar from the screens of yeah, these yeah. boys, especially. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, you can imagine a lot Sunday of scouts are watching Keech. them. <laughs> sorry, yeah, sorry, Craig. Exactly. Uh, you can imagine a lot of scouts will be watching this and, and glued to players absolutely, like this. Absolutely, man. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I reckon Marcus Turam will de- is definitely EPL bow. He's got the build, he's got everything. Yeah. He's got the strength and he's got yeah, edge on his side. Exactly. So has Timo Werner. Uh, now, Liverpool like the cut of young Timo, if you believe the, the yeah. press. Uh, Timo scored a hat-trick for Leipzig. They absolutely thumped uh, Klopp's old side, Mainz, at the weekend, at Mainz. Uh, he's now scored 30 goals this season. He's 24 years old, Timo Werner. How good is this kid, Kish? It's, he's really good. Um, he's, he's an intelligent player. And I can't think of many strikers. I mean, he's not your classic number nine. Uh, but I can't think of many strikers who are like him. I think the closest I can think of is also a German, Thomas Muller. Yeah. By the way, is also severely underrated by many. I think people, people look at him as a terrific player. But he's never in the discussion as one of the great modern strikers of, of, of his era. But he's also an exceptionally intelligent footballer. So is Timo Werner, who's, you know, uh, 30 goals and... It was a massive win for Red Bull Leipzig as well because they sort of slightly dropped off the pace uh, even even before the Bundesliga took a, a, a mini break due to the coronavirus. And and now they're just slowly building that form back at the, at the perfect time because with Dortmund and Bayern playing um, in, in midweek and if that game ends in a draw and if, if Leipzig can keep on uh, collecting points on the board, they could put a bit of pressure, a bit more pressure on Dortmund and Bayern up, up on the table and and sort of uh, uh, regain the kind of uh, momentum that they had earlier in the year. Um, and, and yeah, Timo Werner is going to uh, play a huge part in it. Uh, it's just a question of how long he continues to play a part yeah. in this Redwood Leipzig Absolutely. Team, I don't see him staying here any longer. There's got to be a step up from, yeah. from this. The, 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 same, the same asterisk is next to Timo Werner's name as it is next to uh, uh, Kai Havertz's name. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you suspect that Timo Werner will be the one making the move first before okay. Kai Harvard. Okay, let, let's, let, let, let's switch it and, and talk about somebody we, we actually know about. We, we, we all know about David Wagner during his EPL days and how Huddersfield, right, uh, got relegated oh, yeah. under his tenure. He's now in charge of Schalke. I watched them this weekend hosting Augsburg, who is, let's face it, fighting against relegation. Augsburg comfortably won 3 yeah. 0. It could have been more. I mean, if ever a side was so grateful that no fans were allowed in the stadium, it would have been in Gelsenkirchen this weekend. It would have been <laughs> David Wagner. It would have been Schalke, Craig. It was yeah, embarrassing. Uh, it was. And that, that's following on from, from the result, you know, the previous week. Exactly. Which, which wasn't great as well. You know, and, and, and if, you, if you're just tuning into the Bundesliga and, and watching these two games, you know, David Parker hasn't improved much as a manager. Um, but if you look at Schalke, with, with, you know, as a whole, as a whole over the over the Bundesliga. Yeah, just just want to quickly point out that before the Bundesliga took a break, Schalke were in a pretty decent yeah. spot. Exactly. Which is, yeah. what, which is what I'm coming David, to, Keish. <laughs> David Wagner was being hailed across the country yeah. as a man who's really stabilising. Uh, which which so is what I was just coming to. So I said, if you watch yeah, these yeah. two games, you would see that, you know, it looks like he hasn't improved at all. 
yeah. uh, from, from his Huddersfield days. Yeah. But if you look at Schalke's position in the table pre-MCO, you know, they, they were no respectable. They, they, were, they were pushing. Um, I think maybe probably European football was, was you know, or Champions League football was, was definitely out of their, their grasp. But, you know, they were going to target um, a Europa League spot. You know, they were, I think they were sixth, I think, in the table at, at that stage pre-MCO. Um, so, you know, they, they've come down, you know, I think they're eighth in this table now after yep. the last two results. But, you know, coming back to what I was saying, you know, if you watch them in these two two games, I think they conceded seven goals um, yep. in, in these two games. <laughs> they're absolutely woeful. Um, I mean, you can, it was just, you're just looking at them and like, how has David Wagner got a job in the Bundesliga? Um, but don't be fooled, you know, pre, pre-MCO, you know, he, he, he had taken them to, to a decent uh, spot in the league. Okay, um, j- let's wrap up the German results then. Sunday's Rhine derby was 2-2. That was good fun. Uh, Cologne 2 up and then Dusseldorf, now managed by Uwe Rossler, uh, fought back to, to 2-2. So th- they, it's, it's a fight there. Uh, Augsburg, we told you about. Hoffenheim and Paderborn was 1-1. Uh, helps yeah. neither side, really. So it's as you were at the top four-point lead for Bayern. Or over Dortmund, Leipzig six point seven points behind the leaders. Um, again, if if Bayern and Dortmund end up in a draw, Leipzig win, they make up ground. So yeah. that's going to be an interesting game. That's the standout game on Wednesday. Dortmund against Bayern. Uh, Bayer Leverkusen take on Wolfsburg. Uh, expect to see Kai Havertz uh, play for Aston Villa next season. Gogs. Hey, hey. <laughs> Grealish to Havertz to Werner it's a goal <laughs> Gre- Grealish should be taking orders from Ole what, by that time <laughs> I mean, I mean, are you talking about his, uh, his FIFA game or, yeah, or his hey. football manager oh, game or but, something but, like that honest, honest question guys if, if, if you're Ole Gunnar Solskjaer do you go for Jack Grealish or do you look at someone like Kai Havertz Ooh, oh, it's, a point, but it, it, yeah. it's a really good one. I think with, you know, I speak as a United fan, um, you know, Grealish offers you more in terms of versatility, you know, off the wings, in the 10, can play a little bit deeper as well. Um, he's experienced at the Premier League. You know, he's, you know, he's, you know. He's come of age, the, you know, he's come of age. He, he, he's yeah, player, he's grew up with the, the, the whole, you know, English kind of football thing. With, with Kai Havertz, no doubt he can play at that level, but how long will it take for him to adapt to it? Um, is another question that you got to look at, you know, to throw him in, you know, at the tender age that he is um, and, and, you know, demand a lot out of him, you know, especially with that United side, you know, where you need people to come in and produce more yeah. or less straight away. You know, you, you, yeah. you don't have like a three, four year you, you grace period. Yeah. You don't have, uh, Ole doesn't have that three, four years grace period. Yeah. It's just, yeah. So what, uh, answer your question, Keish, I'm not a United fan, but you know, they need a ready-made player yeah. to come in right now yeah. to fit in. Yeah, and and there's not really, there's not I'm a big Havertz fan. <laughs> yeah, for me, Grealish has that swagger. He, he's yeah. the collar up type player that, that yeah, yeah. United haven't had since Cantona. Um, all right, break, break. When we come back, uh, we're talking about the K League. Stay tuned. Build a mentality in that dressing room that's powerful, strong, and made them feel like they're unbeatable. What a coach. Off the ball on BFM 89.9. The serial winner has got another trophy for the cabinet. Off the ball on BFM 89.9. Yep, we're still here. It's uh, Keish, it's Gogolin, it's Craig, it's off the ball in isolation. 
talking about the K League this weekend. Uh, FC Seoul have been fined something like 10 million won, 100 million won, which equates to 66,000 pounds because uh, somebody put sex dolls in their stadium last weekend. <laughs> uh, anyway, the dolls weren't oh, present. It, it, uh, they did, beat Pohang Steelers 2-1 away. Kish, did you catch that game? Yeah, and... Uh... I was a bit upset by the whole sex doll scandal thing. A bit, I mean, a bit over the top reaction. No, it's, it's, it's also because of the fact that the K-League is in such a strategic position to increase the, the, their followership all across the world. Um, it, it, obviously, a lot of European leagues are going to resume in the next couple of months. But the leagues that are resuming are all resuming on attempt just to finish the existing season. And once those seasons end, there's still question mark over when the new season will start. So from a point of view of for the rest of 2020, the K-League is in a perfect position to just capitalize on things like this. But they've done everything right up to this point. But when you have scandals like that breaking out, it just makes a mockery out of a lot of the good efforts that the K-League have been putting in to build their followership all, all across the world. I think we take it a little bit more personally as well because we're Asia. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, the, yeah. The, this is the, you know, it's one of the top leagues within Asia as well. I, and, I thought you it was know, really funny. Global, you know, doing that. that <laughs> so did I. Um, <laughs> I, 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 thought it, I thought it was yeah. actually genius, to be fair. Yeah. Like, to, uh, to, do to you know what I would have done and, this week? You know, this, as opposed to cardboard that, That's a great PR move, man. No, seriously. Yeah, I, I thought so too. This week, this week, right, on the bench at, at Paul Hung, I would have had one doll sitting next to the manager wearing a mask. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? FC <laughs> uh, Seoul got their win. Suwon Blue Wings, who started the season terribly with two defeats, yeah. finally got uh, uh, their first three points of the season. No, they, they, they're in JDT's group, of course, in the Asian Champions yeah. League. Yeah. They're, they're, and it, it was only through a penalty as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they've been really, really poor as well, honestly. Because last year, uh, let's not forget, they've, they've got an Australian striker up front who was one of the best players in the K-League last year, Adam Tagat. And, and there was, there's a lot of expectations, not just on him, but on Suwon to sort of carry on that momentum as well. But they've had a disastrous start to the season. And I think it, it's no surprise that it coincides with the fact that Adam has been struggling to hit the back of the net as well. Um, I watched that game against JDT a couple of months back and they were not convincing at all playing, uh, playing at the uh, brand new Sultan Ibrahim Stadium. And, and they, they were completely uh, tormented by... Uh, I can't recall who... Uh, they, were, they were dominated completely by John Book on match day one. And then on match day two, they've completely outclassed by Ulsan Hyundai as well. Yeah. So on one hand, I, I can kind of understand that they've got a really difficult set of fixtures. They played the two strongest sides. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They played John Book and Ulsan. Uh, but but it's not looking good at the moment and they desperately need uh, they desperately needed a win and this was the much much needed yeah i'm just going to i'm just going to jump in there the form hasn't been great obviously as you know and, and and they're a big team but um you know with three games in you know we're talking about how they're not good yeah and this that look a, a win you know over the next couple of game weeks you know pushes them all the way up there you know there's no there's no um you know, real danger there. And, and you know, some, some teams, you know, they get off to a sluggish start, um, you know, and when, once you get that winning feeling going on, uh, momentum builds up a little bit, you know, it could all change quite easily. And, and you know, like you say, they played tough teams. It's, it's been tough fixtures, you know. They ground out this result over the weekend, much needed, like like Keish said, you know, they had to win it. But, 
you know, it's it's how they push on from there, really. And, um, you know, like every striker, yes, Adam Taggart, you know, fantastic striker, um, you know, and, and he just needs that that little bit of luck in front, you know, and, and once you, you know, you get that, it, you know, it could be that it could just be a tapping from two yards, you know, but it makes a world of a difference to a striker you know, yeah. once you get that, that, that goal scoring feeling back. I, I, I don't, Gogs, I, I don't know if you've, you've, you've watched it, but for me, the, the K League, the players seem to not care about the whole social distancing more. I don't know whether the, the prevailing sense of safeness in Korea is, do you know what I mean? It's safer in Korea. Because, do you know what I mean? They're hugging players. They're, they're like high-fiving like normal. That, that, that goes back to what Keish was saying. Korea never had a lockdown, right? Never had all this uh, the stuff that we went through. So they, they were one of the first, right? To yeah, show, so, but yeah. they, 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 just, they just implemented SOPs and pressure places and all that. And so they, like you said, they, they have full confidence that the players have been tested and been led back onto the pitch. And that's why they, are, they have... But they their, have total, their total death rate is, is still about you know, the 200 level. Yeah, you know, which which, which is Europe, yeah, nowhere close. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and in the context of things, you know, that's that's pretty all right for for, for a country like Korea. Yeah. So, and they're still um, going about the business. You know, they still have the yeah. restaurants open, bars are open. You know, they're still right. going out. They just it's still thriving. Yeah. yeah. So I think that goes back again some sense and trust in the system. Yeah. Which is well, as far as the top two are concerned, in the K-League, uh, Ulsan slipped up at home to Busan. It was a 1-1 draw. Um, we had VAR working its magic hands in, in that game. Jongbuk, yeah. uh, though, are, are the team, the defending champions. They won 2-0 against Daegu. And, yeah, I mean, already it's it's taking shape. Uh, is, it's Jongbuk, Ulsan, two point, and another. Two point gap. Yeah, this, this is exactly the nightmare for any Ulsan Hyundai fans out there. Because last year in the K-League as well, they had a really good team. They really pushed Jeonbu all the way till the end, and it almost looked like Ulsan were going to were going to finally win the title. We're going to dethrone the perennial favorites, right? Um, but then right at the end, they slipped up, and and huh? Jeonbu just uh, moved okay. ahead and, and won the won the league. Um, and this year, it, it must be frustrating as well for Ulsan because to start really well in your first two fixtures, right? Especially the second one where they came from behind to beat Suwon three two, to then be held by Busan Il Park. Um, it was it it was. I follow a number of Ulsan Hyundai fans on Twitter and you could just see the frustrations and all of the frustrations were just directed at the fact that Jeonbu were, you know, were, were going to just outclass them again in, in the league title. It's still early, but signs like this, it's, it's points like this that you just can't drop because the margins are so small when it comes to the top two teams in the K-League. The only positive for Ulsan is the fact that um, their striker, Junior Nagao, um, continues to be in form. Yeah. I think he's got his fifth goal now in three games and that's that bodes really well for them because... You look at a team like Suwon and you see them struggling with Adam not scoring. Um, and you look at, at a team like Ulsan um, and when you have your striker on, on really good form, um, and, and I think it bodes really well for your team. Well, Ulsan next weekend are away at bottom side Guangzhou. Uh, it's already a must-win game in round four. Uh, leaders Jongbuk are away at Gangwon who are seventh in the 12-team league. So, uh, it's already interesting. Um, what out of, out of five stars then? How do we rate the K League? Um, you know, I've never really followed the K League as such. But no, same since, here. Since same it's come here. back, since it's come back, I was actually quite um, quite disappointed with the first game week, uh, the first uh, match I saw. I can't remember who it was, uh, but it was very slow. 
Um, you know, there wasn't much to shout about in the game. Um, and, you know, you could put that down to, you know, a, a long layoff and, and everything. But it seems like it's picked up over the, you know, yeah. if you watch the, the, the weekend. I, I mean, out of five, I'd probably give it, um, so far, if I'm being honest, it'll be a two to three so far. Two for you. Gogs, out of five stars, how do you rate the K-League? Yeah, I mean, they started a bit slow, but I guess every league is going to be starting slow after the... Even the, even Borussia Dortmund's first game was, looked like a preseason friendly to me in the first half. But they, so, yeah, they're innovative. I mean, the, the crowd sounds... Uh, Germany's yeah, was, copied that, was, haven't they? I was just yeah, about exactly. to get there, Ross. I, I I think I'd give it a 3 or 3.5 star just for production value alone. Production value, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's far more fun to watch the K-League games. Because yeah. they're, not just playing, they're not just playing generic crowd sounds. No. They're picking bits and pieces Agreed. of the chance to match what's happening in the game. And I think I, that's I, 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 I've, I've got a question. That crowd sounds for the what, Dortmund, uh, Wolfsburg Dortmund, game. Yeah. Yeah, it kept going up and down even when the goals. Were yeah, so they, 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 they <clears throat> like they'll blow, they'll blow for a free kick and they'll be celebrating. Yeah, yeah, I, know. <laughs> yeah, I was like, what? Am I missing what? something? Yeah, here? Like, yeah exactly. Yeah. So what, somebody in the stadium playing it, or I don't get it. No, I think I think they just they just you know recorded it and just playing anything. There's no, no because there was like when they scored, the the sound went up and it was like there was another there was a reason there was a, a red card. Yeah, there was a red card, right? Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, the yeah, commentator yeah, yeah. kept apologizing, yeah. saying that yeah. it just didn't match and you, all that. Yeah. And you can actually do it. You can you can manipulate it. In the K-League, when, when the opposition team starts to dominate, the home home side starts to play boo chance. Uh, <laughs> so you can sense. just artificially try to create it. And if you get it right, it really yeah. makes the experience yeah. better. So, so the prawn sandwich knew something. Uh, agreed. agreed. <laughs> Otherwise, there's there's no home advantage if you keep cheering all the time. When even when what what what, what right. is Roy King what is Roy King going to say about all this? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> all right, then we are done for uh, this Monday. Enjoy the midweek football. It's going to be brilliant. Dortmund against Bayern. For now, I'm going to say thank you, Gogolin. Cheers. Thanks. Uh, thank you, Kishnan. Cheers, Ross. Stay safe, everyone. And thanks, Craig Marias. Thank you very much for having me, Ross. Enjoy the big derby on Wednesday. Indeed, everybody. Have a great week. Stay safe. Speak to you soon. Bye now. Off the ball every Monday on BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, the business station.